could be a family trauma, or high fashion, or therapeutic gardening. Whatever the theme, young filmmakers are tapping into their personal stories guided by my guest on this episode of Future Groove. Documentarian Barbarella Focos nurtures aspiring creatives in high schools as they learn to create with confidence and consider careers in the entertainment industry. They're telling stories visually by establishing a unique point of view and exploring narrative techniques and then sharing their work with family and friends all at Hollywood's doorstep. I'm John Harris, and welcome to this episode of Future Groove. Hi, Barb. How are you doing today? Hey, John. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, good. So good to have you uh, here on the Future Groove podcast. We've really been looking forward to this uh, conversation as you know, uh, we've worked together in a number of projects in uh, career technical education in association with the Downey Unified School District. And so really looking forward to talking about the industry sector of arts, media, and entertainment, which is really where a lot of our pathways are located in terms of film and television, animation, and a number of those different pieces. You've worked in the industry for a long time. And so I thought maybe we would start in talking about the industry itself. In uh, previous conversations that you and I have had, uh, you referenced a number of different, very different areas that are all under that same umbrella. Can you talk about the industry a little bit? I'm going to circle back after that to talk about your story, but in general terms, kind of describe what we might find under the umbrella of arts, media, and entertainment. It's interesting because this is one of those industry sectors that really is in every industry because arts, media, and entertainment at its core, think graphic design, think storytelling, think video, think animation, like you're saying, um, no matter what company you're in, no matter what industry you're in, you're using this. You have an artist doing a logo. You have a writer writing your copy. You have <laughs> designers doing your graphic design. So I, it's hard for me to even think of it as a separate industry because I really think it's so in, well integrated into all of them. However, traditionally, people think, okay, arts, media, and entertainment, movies books, you know, the arts, we, we go to performing arts, you think of kind of this passive uh, absorbing of things that creators are creating, when I think it's really, like I said, more integrated than that. But did I, am I answering the question, John? Well, you're, you're, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And, and I think it's leading to another question. And that is, the industry sector itself seems to attract a lot of creatives folks that have a really strong creative bent. And so in my mind, oftentimes I think uh, of the age old criticism of uh, a description of those that want to go into the arts as you're going to become a starving artist. So do you have some thoughts along those lines in terms of when you're pursuing your creative passions and going into some area of arts, media, and entertainment, is that a real issue or is that somewhat of a misunderstanding? I think it is. It can be a real issue if you are wanting to create something that there's very little interest in. If you're, you know, so if you were, if you're like, I just want to write books about 
mermaids. And it is a very narrow thing. And like, who's interested in that? But um, if you're a creative person, and you're just looking to be creative, things like I have a friend who's an illustrator, and she just wanted to do her art and just selling her individual paintings was very difficult, because you need to find the right buyer for your kind of artwork. However, as a logo designer, And as a person doing art for companies who have a very specific need they're trying to fill, she makes very good money. So she can do these personal kind of communications to the world through her own paintings and her artwork, yet also make a very good living by helping other people interpret their ideas. For example, we talked about this. Think think, think Nike, think Google, think every logo you've ever seen, right? She's doing that kind of stuff. These campaigns for major companies where they're trying to visually communicate something and it needs a person who can think creatively to do that. In looking at uh, at your work and the things that you have been involved in over the, the past uh, handful of years, it's obvious to me that you have found your groove in an arts-related uh, sector as a uh, documentary filmmaker. Do you regard yourself as that's your primary, uh, if there were labels, uh, that's your primary role or your primary passion in arts, media, entertainment, documentary filmmaking? Or is it broader than that? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you ask that because I was looking for it now. I used to say when people say, what do you do for a living? What do you do? I have so many different things I do that my business card was actually a book. It said Barbarella Abridged. <laughs> and it was a tiny book designed for me by my friend, the artist, designer, logo maker. <laughs> and um, that every page was something different. It said writer, it said commentator, it said culturalist, it said producer, uh, because I did so many things I couldn't, I couldn't sum myself up under one title. However, now, if somebody says, oh, what do you do, kind of in general for a living, I usually say writer and filmmaker, or yes, just documentary filmmaker, which does encompass a lot of it. Long answer to a short question. No, I'm looking for long answers here. <laughs> I'm really interested in your story. Like, where did you begin uh, this? I'm assuming that it wasn't a straight line in pursuing where you are right now. And I don't want to use the word meandering, but that lack of a straight line directly to what you're doing right now, I'm really interested in knowing what that looked like because I think possibly that may be much, much more common than deciding in your young years, I want to do this. And then it's just a straight beeline to that particular collection of work. The metaphor I like to use is we're um, raindrops on a window pane. We don't get a lot of rain in Southern California, but I've seen it happen before. And, you know, just like a raindrop falling down, you, you bounce off of another drop, you might join with it for a little bit and then fall that way and fall this way. I think that most people their career trajectory is sort of more like that. Uh, when when I talk to youth now and they're just like, what do I, what's what's the right path to get on? What do I have to do now to, to be successful later? <laughs> I'm like, I can't answer that question because, okay, for me, let's see, I always liked to write. I had a journal as a kid. When blogging came around, I was an early blogger. I just wrote. It's how I communicated and, and processed my thoughts. Always wanted to write. And um, I had office jobs. My first job was actually at a school district, assisting my mom, who was the assistant to a superintendent. So I did office jobs. Then I was a trainer 
in a call center. Then I worked in a law firm. But the thing I always did was write. And my first writing gig, I was, I was going to go. Here's my plan. I was like, you know what? I am going to go back to school because I had dropped out young to go move to Hollywood and have fun. I'm going to go back to school and get my degree uh, so that I could be a managing paralegal so that I can work my way up here all while I work towards my real dream of being a published writer. While I was there, <laughs> and, uh, my blog was discovered by our local weekly paper, kind of like your LA Weekly, the San Diego Reader, and they offered to publish some of my stuff. And so I quit school a second time because that was, I was taking in more debt to do this college degree that now I could bypass because I was getting my dream of being a published writer. So I wrote, I had a column for 12 years in the San Diego Reader, made a very good living with it, did uh, journalism, cover stories, calendar events. And through that, started and here's the raindrop part, right? So here I am, I'm writing my column, but then there's this opportunity. Oh, hey, we'd love to have you as a guest on our TV show to talk about some of the stuff you're writing about. Or, oh, by the way, could you maybe put together a little video package to go with this? Like, are you capable of doing that? Or how cool would it be if we had videos to go with your column? So these opportunities arose and I just, let me try that. I'm going to try, I'm not a filmmaker. I hadn't been before. I'm a writer, but I tried it. I seized the opportunity to learn something new and different, still being creative. And from that, I was offered um, like a regular segment. So then I was doing a segment on the morning news, stepping out with Barbarella, what's cool to do in town. And I was a regular guest on our radio shows where it's, you know, PBS, what's happening in town and what should we do this weekend? And I became somewhat of a, a minor celebrity in San Diego because I was a finger in every media outlet. And from that, somebody said, you know, we'd love to have a segment on our TV show about arts. You write about arts, too. Another passion of mine in general, visual arts. I quickly took over. I call getting like a foot in the door. I get a foot in the door of places and then I slowly take over. It's just sort of what I do. So I said, you know, um, <laughs> I, I started asking questions like, oh, you're going to have this TV show. You're going to rent out. NBC studio, that's not going to work. I work with these editors. And and eventually they said, you know what, would you produce this show? And I said, yes, that was Art Pulse TV, the first TV show I produced. And I got, uh, I won an Emmy for it, had no idea what I was doing, figured it out, surrounded myself with cool, creative people, and did well. And that is how I discovered my passion for filmmaking, specifically making artist documentaries. And now I'm doing that. So see, that's like all over the place, right? There's, <laughs> there's no straight line. So you've traveled in so many different places, uh, pursuing your passion of storytelling in the documentary film world. Tell us a little bit about that. I think every summer, uh, we continue to communicate, but it's from different parts of the world. It seems like through technology today, Tell us a little bit about some of your experiences uh, along the way that have helped uh, shape and, and contribute to your career in documentary filmmaking. Every conversation I have helps contribute to that because documentary filmmaking is real life, learning people's stories, uncovering your story, developing your point of view. 
and I, you know, I was always the, the can do person. I always call myself the can do gal, right? You know, can you, <laughs> is this something that you want to try? Sure. I can do that. I can go there. Let's try that. Um, and that has really helped me a lot. So my last film that is now being submitted to film festivals, is called the power of stone. And this took me to all over the place. We went to Martha's vineyard where this artist is based and uh, then find out through conversations, oh, he spent the last 20 years building his dream home out of stone in the Atlantic rainforest of Brazil. Yes, I'm going to Brazil. So I was talking to you while exploring that. I do not like bugs. Yeah. I was not happy about <laughs> the humidity, but it was still an adventure. And uh, there's something my friends call post-Brazil barb who's a little more chill and a little less freaked out by bugs because it was just an onslaught. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, I know post Brazil barb is not going to freak out if you're five minutes late. Pre Brazil barb, Brazil barb would have an issue. We just got back just a week ago. I just got back from Hawaii. First time ever there because we're filming um, Masami Taraoka, a very internationally renowned artist who is our, the subject of my next documentary. But um, in terms of, I, I don't know that it's, Lesson so much as I feel very lucky to be able to explore and meet people and go to these places and have a, a reason to go. I would never, I never, ever, ever would have gone to Brazil on my own. It's not like, oh, I really want to go check out the humidity in Brazil, what I've heard about. But because I had to, because a project took me there, same with Hawaii, uh, it was an amazing experience. And my question about the story, tell me a little bit about the importance of storytelling in the work that you're doing. And I think in a previous conversation, you, you said that one really important question that you ask in this particular space uh, that you're creating is, why should people care? Mm. Um, maybe help me understand that a little bit more about this, the, the art of storytelling and connecting with people caring about that story. Yeah, for sure. That, you know, and again, story isn't everything we do. We are our stories, connecting to people, trying to make your case. Anytime you want somebody else to do a thing, you know, you have to tell a compelling story. So where you're getting the, the why do people care? Um, and in my media life, I also did a lot of coaching on public relations PR. And I had a PR workshop. And the first thing I asked people is, is why should anybody care? Here you are, you have, whether it's you have an art show, or you have, you have a story, or you have something that happened to you that you want the news people to talk about your thing. Why should people, why do viewers care? Meaning, how does it affect them? Is it urgent? Is it interesting? Are they learning something new? Uh, because story ultimately is about connecting to people. And the best way to connect to anybody is to try putting yourself in their shoes. And I would get emails all the time. People would pitch to me. I get hundreds of emails a day as somebody in, you know, who had access to media outlets. And <laughs> my biggest pet peeve was when they said, I would love it if you, I would love it if you would feature me or I'm doing this thing and you want to, you should tell your readers or your viewers about, and my first question is why you should start with that. You know, like this is important for every person in Downey to hear or every Californian needs to know this because, you know, why, why is it important? So I think that's what, that's what we're getting at in terms of the, the why, why should people care? And I would say, why, how does this affect me? Why should I care? And if they couldn't answer that, 
then they weren't ready to tell their story. What's the biggest challenge that you face in uh, in the projects that you've worked on when you think about obstacles that are to be overcome, challenges that are to be met? Oftentimes people view challenges as problems rather than opportunities to learn. Um, but I'm really curious about what are some of the challenges in, in your creative space that you find you have to face? Really, the number one challenge is time. You know, managing time, having the time to do the things that, that I want to do, that I want to get done. I, I don't think people are a challenge because if you connect with them enough, if you speak with them enough, if you identify with them enough, like that's that's not a challenge. Money can be a challenge. But again, if you tell your story, if you find the right people who care about the thing that you're interested in, that, that is an, easily overcome. So I think time time's the big one. In thinking about that and thinking about all of the different projects that you've worked on, whether in documentary filmmaking or some other area, what's one project that you would identify as being most proud of? Mm. A project that exceeded everyone's expectations and even your own in terms of what the final outcome was? It would be the TV show that I produced and co-directed. And uh, that was, again, you know, we, we did 20 episodes, 20 half hour episodes in 22 weeks. Didn't sleep. We, we filmed at a different location. We hosted from a different location every week, had four different segments in each one each week. So uh, when I say we, I mean, my husband and partner, David and I were salt and sugar productions is our company because we're salt and sugar, figuring it out pouring yourself into something and just wanting to do your best and not knowing how it's going to come out, but caring, not sleeping because you just want it to be, to do justice for the people that you're featuring. And they were all artists in the Southern California and Baja California region. And then having that toil and blood and sweat and tears result in an Emmy award for something like an industry I wasn't even in before. And to have that kind of recognition from peers. That was amazing. So I think that's, I'm most proud of that. Although I also am, I I wrote a book. I'm proud of that. Um, I've won a number of awards for my journalism um, and I did a best of show once. I'm proud of that. So I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've, I've, I only try to put out my best work and I strive for excellence in everything I do. And when that is recognized by my peers, I am tickled for years. Hope I didn't peak. You know, with that, I always say, but yeah, the central part of this particular show, uh, and that is how do we work with young people, uh, who have dreams and aspirations in the area of arts, media, entertainment, maybe even documentary filmmaking. You've played a pivotal role, uh, an important role, uh, especially through the pandemic and all of that in working with youth. Uh, in an internship uh, setting where you were a deep dive lead uh, in helping students discover and uh, develop a skill set in the area of filmmaking. First of all, what do you what would you identify as the essential skills that young people or youth really need to develop and con- concentrate on if they want to pursue this meandering path? It's not going to be a straight path probably for any, anyone, but what are those essential skills that would come out of your work with young people in this particular area? 
I would say the number one would be curiosity. You need to be curious about people, about the things, and about other aspects. Um, it surprises me in uh, some areas of the industry, especially kind of in, in Hollywood, where you have people who, I'm the person who operates this camera, and I'm the person who who does that microphone. Um, uh, the people who kind of, kind of transcend that and learn more are the ones who want to know the big picture. What is That's great that I'm doing my little piece over here, but how does it fit in? And, and how do you do what you do? And can I try that? So I would say curiosity would be the number one um, kind of, uh, you weren't really saying skill, you were saying. Well, we're hoping that students will develop a skill set that they, they can then take into the, into the work sphere. And so I, th- I think you've hit at that in terms of what are some of those skills that they need to develop, essential skills in order to be successful here and maybe anywhere else. So then, yeah, so then curiosity would be just, you know, how you get into that. But the skill is sort of being able to, again, being able to see the big picture, being able to decipher the meaning from things that are happening and putting it together. And I would think that that's a really transferable skill uh, because you can take that to anything. And being able to find the story, being able to find the thread and actually have things make sense. One of the things, especially with documentary filmmaking or any kind of storytelling, writing, journalism, anything, is um, having a kind of a comprehensive, relatable sort of thread, you know, being able to follow it. Does this make sense and communicating it effectively? I'm going to ask a question that really focuses in on oftentimes what people look at when they're looking at particular industry sectors and that is the role of technology. What are some of the advances and maybe benefits of where we are in technology today? And what are the limits to that, to where, how much should we rely on the advances in technology? My daughter oftentimes says, you know, it's not the hat, it's the magician (laughs) in terms of, you know, the, the tools of the trade, you need the hat, but, right? I think that's what I'm getting at. No, for sure. And actually, that uh, there's a famous quote. I don't know who it is. My, my husband quotes it a lot. He's a photographic artist. And when people ask what camera he uses, he's like, you know, people don't ask painters what brush they use. It's just a tool, right, to get what I want. The, the ultimate thing is, am, what do I see? And what is the best tool available to me at that time to capture that and communicate that message in the way that I want to communicate it. So in terms of technology, it's better than it's ever been. I mean, I mentor youth and I have my docklings, as you know, when I'm doing that for the documentary filmmaking, when I teach them, I call them my docklings. And all they need is a phone with a camera. The technology is incredible. Uh, I have actually incorporated uh, footage I've captured using my phone camera into our films, and you wouldn't be able to tell what's, you know, with the good cameras. When I say good, I mean they have a lot more bells and whistles. It's just a matter of what are you capturing? What are you saying with what you're capturing? And the same with writing. So, uh, you know, all you need is a, a pencil and a pen. Although there are great programs that you can use, but really it all starts in your head. So if you can conceive of it and if you can start, you know, giving shape to it, whether with words or imagery, the tools exist to help you capture and convey it. And I don't think there's any kind of hindrance. I don't think there's anything like I taught myself Final Cut Pro. 
It's super user-friendly. Okay. Like I, I did not do any schooling for filmmaking and you know, like all of it, uh, I, I'm an autodidact to the core, no offense to the academic world, but there's, there's part of that. Those lessons are available. Things like open resource, you know, that, that make them available to people like me who can just find information and, um, you know, absorb it and execute. So I don't think there's any obstacles for technology. Not today. Can you tell us a little bit and maybe even a story format about some of the students that you've worked with, mm. where they started, how they learned, what your approach to learning uh, was in working with them and then what the ultimate result was and maybe the reaction that they had to what they discovered that they could do in the process. I, I'm going to start by saying I don't have children. And uh, aside from my, you know, before my nieflings came up, I have six nieflings. I did not have a lot of uh, direct interaction. I'm not a teacher with youth. I was not really involved in that. And the, um, it has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life to be able to have the opportunity through the internship program there at Downey to get to work with these, these young people. Okay, so a typical Dockling, right? <laughs> because not all of them were choosing documentary film. They didn't know what it was about. They have an opportunity for an internship. They're going to go check it out. Maybe they get assigned to me. And across the board, they think um, they don't have anything to say. They uh, don't feel creative. Um, I hear that a lot on the front end. The first, well, I don't really know what, what I would say. I don't have any ideas. You know, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I, I can't film. I can't do this. And the way I approach that is just by asking questions and, and giving examples like, you know, what's something that you're really into? What's something you, you know, what's a hobby? What's a this? What do you read about? What catches your attention? And inevitably, we come to something that they're curious about, that they're excited about, that they start talking about. And that is that is what we focus on. And I say, you know what, tell a story about that. Whether you're interviewing a family member because you want to know what it was like for them to have immigrated to the United States, which which I worked with a number of, of youth who that was their situation, or some were very personal, like I lost a sibling, you know, I, and, and this was their opportunity to sort of sit down with family members and interview them and ask questions that they would never ask in any other circumstance. So they got to understand their family members better. Some just fall after a passion. You know, I really want to know about fashion. What's the history of the heel? I'm going to look that up. So, so through that, I helped them hone their story or their perspective and uncover more information about the thing that they're interested in. And then in terms of trying to put that into a story, it's like, okay, what is it you're trying to say with this? Really what we're trying to find out is what is your unique point of view? Where is this coming from? And like, what, what's interesting to you about this? And I help them kind of form that into a narrative. And uh, then wouldn't it be cool if you got, you know, a shot of of, of this or, or, oh, how cool that you're talking about your, you know, the, the heels, maybe look at getting a low angle or something. Then you start talking visually and then they get really creative with it and they go out and they, they share, they get excited. Do you like this shot? You know, I, I was talking about my mom's garden and I got this shot of a bumblebee in the flower and they start getting really into it. So we put it all together. They have never filmed before. Most of them, they have never edited before. And uh, at the end of, 
whatever we're together for five weeks, they have a short film that they get to show that they are proud to share with their friends and family and the public. And, and afterwards, a lot of the feedback that we get, because we, we ask them and we survey them that I get is, I didn't realize I was creative. I feel more confident. I, I got to talk to my family about this thing. My family is very proud of me, you know? Um, so, so it's amazing. They come out of their shells and they're, they're still, I write reference letters all the time because they're still in contact. I just, one wrote to me this week, Hey, how, what's happening with your film? And I'm working on this video and, um, or can you help me with another video for this college thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. I love it. That's great. One of the conversation topics that we uh, that we pursue in each one of our programs here is to really kind of focus in and ask our guests, what is your future groove today? What are you looking towards? And future groove is a kind of a reference that uh, that we're using to what are you passionate about? And it really kind of helps define your purpose in your the pursuit of your activities and and what you're willing to spend a lot of your your time and resource on. So, Barb, what is your future groove on this day and time? I don't know. When people ask me what's next, what's my future groove, I always say um, I want an Oscar. So my goal with the next film was to do something Oscar-worthy, and, and I am working on that. And <laughs> so... I could, uh, you know, talk about uh, chocolates and that's kind of going to confuse people, though, I think, in, in the context of, of what we did. But I did take up a pandemic hobby, and that was making uh, beautiful and flavorful chocolate bonbons. And I have connected with somebody who is a international distributor of cocktails who might, might want to partner with me to actually do um, cocktail flavored bonbons, but that's probably for another conversation. <laughs> but, but yeah. Well, uh, Barb, I, our time together is uh, coming to a, a close here. Any final thoughts that, that you have in terms of your hopes for, for the future of students that might be interested in pursuing a career in this particular area? You've worked with uh, so many students now, and we've heard uh, so many stories about how they've incorporated this new creative side, not so new actually, but this creative side that they've discovered about themselves into the things that they, uh, that they want to do. Any final thoughts uh, before we close? Yeah. Um, I would just say that anything you're interested in now just learn about it and follow that because no matter what you get into later, it's going, you're going to be able to draw from it. You know, so if you're interested in, you don't think you can make a living in the movies, but you still are interested in the movies, you can get into this and then end up making videos for your pharmaceutical company, you know what I mean? Or whatever, whatever industry you get into. So just follow your curiosity. That's my, that's my advice. Well, Barb, thank you so much for uh, your work in uh, helping students and young people discover their future groove uh, and in helping them understand that that process is not necessarily a straight line, but it is a wonderful journey of uh, accumulating experiences, learning things along the way, and recognizing the opportunities that present themselves uh, there. Thank you so much for being with us today. And, uh, and sharing with us your experiences 
in the industry and in working with youth that are interested in arts, media, and entertainment. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for joining us today on the Future Groove Podcast. You can find the show notes for this and other episodes on the Future Groove website by connecting to futuregroove.com. You'll also find links to organizations and resources referenced in today's conversation. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us. Our email address is john at futuregroove.com. We are especially grateful for our executive producer, Kelly Cooper, and our pre- and post-production engineer and studio master, Nicholas Chamberlain, at EveryWord Media. Until next time, I'm John Harris wishing you all the best in finding your future groove.